Hey, I'm Charles Barkley. Call for a Redmond and water at bars and restaurants throughout the great state of Alabama. Redmond Vodka, available at select ABC stores and package stores. Redmond Vodka is eight times distilled, gluten-free, and is made from non-GMO corn. Looking to support a local business? Redmond Distilling is Alabama proud and minority-owned. Learn more online at redmonddistilling.com. I'm going to ask you a question, and you're supposed to say, are you mad? Someone stole all the lamps from my room. Are you mad? No, I'm delighted. (laughs) (laughs) You got to laugh at it. (laughs) You got to. (laughs) You got to laugh at it. That was all right, though. That was all right, though. I give it to you. That was all right. <laughs> all right. Your go. turn. <clears throat> this joke got sentimental value now. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll tell why afterwards. Okay. Why did the toilet tissue roll down the hill? Why did the toilet tissue roll down the hill? To get to the bottom. <laughs> All right, I got a friend. No, no. Hold on first. Hold on. Wait, 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 hold on. How could that joke have sentimental value? So let me tell you. I'm going to tell you, brother. Like like, that's that going to make it even better. Yeah. So my oldest child, he was learning how to talk. I don't know where he got it from, but he said, Daddy, I got a joke. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I said, tell me the joke. So when he told me, I bust out laughing like you. Right. <laughs> he literally told me the joke like 6,000 more times like I'd never heard. <laughs> right. Because so he I had wanted to laugh. hear daddy laugh. He to hear daddy laugh. <laughs> so that's my first memory of us really having kind of our own bond yeah. with him telling that joke. He was probably about three years old. I am. Look, let me tell you something. You know how I believe in, in things are meant to happen. Yeah. I think I put the joke as a part of this podcast. I think God put it on my heart so that <laughs> <laughs> this whole podcast journey hey. is so that your son Yay. will hear his daddy tell his joke I am gonna on the podcast. He is a college senior <laughs> I now. love it. So I get to let him know, hey man, your joke made it all the way to this podcast. We're going to thank Brother Ivor. A native of Birmingham, Alabama, Cedric D. Sparks Sr. graduated from West End High School in 1993, the University of Alabama in 1998, and Miles Law School in 2003. During his time at at Alabama, Cedric met Pamela J. Flakes of Salem, Alabama. Not Selma. Not Selma. Salem. Salem. They married in 1999. Cedric and Pamela have three children, Cedric D. Sparks, Jr., Deja Camille Sparks, and Chancellor David Sparks. In May of 1998, Cedric was appointed to the city of Birmingham 
Mayor's Office Division of Youth Services, where he served as administrative assistant to the mayor. Just a year later, he was promoted to the position of operations manager. One year after that, he was named director of operations. And in July of 2002, he was named executive director of the Division of Youth Services. In November of 2017, he was appointed to serve in the position of chief of staff for the city of Birmingham by Mayor Randall Woodfin. He was reappointed to that role of chief of staff in November of 2021. Cedric is also active in the community, serving as deacon at 45th Street Baptist Church and a football coach and board advisor for the Titusville Knights and baseball coach for the Phillips Academy Middle School baseball team, just to name a few. Cedric has been the recipient of many awards and acknowledgments, including Ebony Magazine's Top 30 Young Leaders of the Future, FBI Director's National Community Leader Award, Child Care Resources Children's Advocate of the Year, Birmingham Business Journal's Top 40 Under 40, Leadership Birmingham, and Leadership UAB, just to name a few. One of the things that's not <laughs> on this illustrious bio is where our paths crossed mm -hmm. with the 100 black men of Birmingham. That's right, brother. And it was at that time that um, I first got a glimpse of your leadership. Hmm. And I think I proved what my heart felt <laughs> in that I followed you because I have always respected and trusted your leadership. Thank you. Um, to this day, when, when, let me say this, when, Dr. William Bell started the 100 Black Men chapter in Birmingham. It was in and of itself uh, uh, just a strong, um, it was something the city needed. Right. You know? Right. And and he deserves kudos for bringing that. That's right. Here. That's right. Um, <clears throat> under John Hudson's leadership, um, after hit the chapter had kind of gone, you know, people migrated and uh, retired and stuff. And so under John Hudson's leadership, we grew in, in numbers. Right. But it wasn't until you came that we truly... truly became mentors and upholding the um, 
the tenets of the 100 black men of education, uh, economic development, health and wellness, and what was the last? Um, scholarship. Scholarship. Yeah. And to, yeah. But to this day, I try to, if you will look at the podcast and the things I do, it's mm -hmm. all on those four, four tenets. Those four tenets. You know, yeah, and 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 I just feel like um, you are a man of um, structure, mm -hmm. and I just want you to know that you are one of the young men, one of the men younger than me, you and Randall. Ain't many that I'm gonna submit to their leadership, <laughs> but sir, you are one. Wow, that's um, that's powerful. Um, I can remember, I can remember our paths <clears throat> crossing because obviously your father was he was the cornerstone of the 100 that many people don't know because he was such a quiet, humble man. Um, yeah. And it was interesting watching you all's dynamic because you all were a dynamic duo. <laughs> and for people who, who did not know, the reason why the 100 was able to sustain through Mayor Bell, John Hudson, and then my leadership, and then for those even right after me, was because your father ensured that we had a place to meet, that we had the resources to sustain and that his son was the one who made sure that all the parts stayed together. So I relied, so for people who don't know, I relied heavily <laughs> on pie. <laughs> heavily. Many folk did yeah. to keep us moving in that direction. And even when it went through a lull period, people don't know that pie was the one that kept, Ivor Williams was the one that kept that organization moving and viable. And so I just want to thank you for having always been that person. Um, he was the voice of reason. He was the, uh, Ivor Williams was always the voice um, that would con convict us. Like, mm -hmm. this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is why we're here. Mm -hmm. He was the person that was going to hold us accountable. And you have to have that in organizations, especially organizations like the 100 that had so many men of influence, so many men of distinction, so many men who had big ideas and they were the leaders of their respective groups. Well, how do you get all of those men to remember the cornerstone of what that organization is, which is mentoring? Mm -hmm. And so, hey, we can be we can be men of influence, but we got to make sure we're taking care of that next generation. And that's what you made us do. <laughs> that's what you continue to make us do. You continue to hold us accountable. And so it's interesting that you say submit because I think it's actually the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all submitting to your leadership because I think we know that the only way that you're going to walk with us is if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's really a testament to who you are and how you move. So thank you during my tenure as the president. Thank you for being the bridge for all of us. Many of us, after our tenure, we went on to do other things. You stayed. You were the bridge that kept it going. You still serve as that. So for all of us in the community who have come through that organization, thank you.
Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the swift kicks in the behind. Because <laughs> if you know I'm going to get it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Got to have that. Yeah. Um, and thank you for what you and your father meant to that organization, mean to that organization. Many people, I'm glad that I can be a bridge for the history because mm. you won't see that written anywhere, how much you and your father did to make sure that the 100 was on solid footing in both operation and administration, but it takes money to make those organizations. <laughs> yeah, happen. man. Ava Williams, your father made sure he continued to use his leverage, his influence to ensure the 100 was on solid footing. So thank you both. Thank you both. You made you made my tenure as president that much easier because we didn't have to worry about a lot of the stuff that a lot of 501c3s have to worry about. Yeah. So thank you, bro. Man, thank you. Thank you. Um I am ready for some love. Hmm. Valentine's is right around the corner. And I want to hear a love story. Well, y'all want to hear a love story tonight. (laughs) So I want to know you and Pamela's love story. (laughs) How did y'all meet? We Uh, know you met on the capstone, uh, but tell us in preparation of the month of love. Tell us a love story. Man, oh, man. All right. (laughs) My wife transferred to the University of Alabama from Southern Union Community College. Okay. She was an amateur power lifter when she was in college. She was a cheerleader at Southern Union. So, yeah, she she was a a, a gym rat. She lived in the gym. She's... I would think she was a princess type. Oh, you know what I'm no, saying? No, she was the opposite. <laughs> yeah. she, was a, she was a gym rat, man. Amateur power lifter, competed, um, but she was a cheerleader at Southern Union. So we met because she was literally in our rec center at Alabama lifting, like lifting, lifting. But she was wow. working out without a belt, like without a weightlifting belt. And so I was sitting there looking like, yeah, so... Me, I'm in there working out, and I'm like, "This, I can shoot my shot. Yeah. So I walk over to her, and I said, uh, they check out belts up at the um, up at the you're registration just looking center. out for a help. I'm just trying to make sure you're straight. Yeah, you know, that's all. I'm just, you know, shivery ain't dead. Yeah. Just make sure you're straight. <laughs> Man, she looked at me and was like, I'm working out light today. Thank you. And went by. I said, so I picked oh, up my wow. face. Oh, <laughs> wow. Picked up my face. Went back. I said, I'm... I'm so man, we um, so I didn't communicate. How many with points her. did you put on them that day? Man, it was, did you dunk on somebody? Man, did you take your frustration out I, of them? I think I left. <laughs> I think I left. I think I left because I had already been on campus for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, so okay, I think everybody everybody saw that. <laughs> it was terrible. It, it was terrible. She went back to working out, man, and so. It was a couple of weeks later. It left a dead body on the floor behind <laughs> you. Pick up my face, man. We walk out. Uh-huh. So I leave, man. And the next time I see her, one of my fraternity brothers was going over to to visit her roommate. And I was like, man, ask can I come too? So I went. And I you wasn't going to stop. I wasn't going to stop. Once, once I found that out, that was a couple of weeks later. And it was right before school started because she came during the summer. So I went, man. And when I went over... I said, ask them, can I come? She said, yeah. Man, we literally talked for about for about three hours that night, and that was the kickoff. 
And it was on. It's been on ever since. It's been on ever since, man. That's that's how we kicked off. I kind of knew. So when I saw that night, I said she she knew that I was Greek because she had come to one of our summer parties. So I was like, yeah, you should come to our step show that we're having. She was like, ah, I may. <laughs> I may. But yeah. I knew. I said, if she comes, she's going to see, like, we all right. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. So she came, man, and it literally has been on and popping ever since then. I got her to come to that step show. So if she listening, she knows it. She knows it. But she also knows she made me pick my face up <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the rec center, too. <laughs> yeah, we relive that moment often, brother. Oh, I love it. <laughs> now, you have uh, a, just a giant of a brother mm. and and a you you have always had um from from what I've seen yeah um in in your young adult life and in your adulthood you have made great decisions I think um success comes from making good decisions mm-hmm. but if you could give your younger self a piece of advice yeah you know what I'm saying what would it be so it's interesting <clears throat> I would probably tell my younger self to take full advantage of the time that you have with your parents. Mm-hmm. I didn't anticipate that I would lose my parents as early as I did. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of plan your life out thinking, well, I go through this stage, mom and dad would be there. I go through this stage, I get married, I have children. And I think you think in your younger years, mom and dad will always be there. Mm-hmm. So I went off to school, and I think I was probably like most teenagers when they go off to school is I'm ready to get away from here, not knowing that my time in college would be my last time spending time with my parents. So I try to teach my children that now, like it's an unfortunate reality, but you just never know Mm. when your parents will not be there. So seize the opportunity to learn from them, spend time with them. You know, I see people who get to spend, you know, I would love to have taken my mother out in my adult life for dinner or treated them on their wedding anniversary, and I didn't get a chance to do that. I would have loved to see how they interacted with my children. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just took for granted that, like most children do, that mom and daddy would be there. So that's that's probably the advice that I would give my younger self, like seize the opportunity to learn with them, spend time with them. Um, I can remember right before my mother passed, man, I was anxious to get back back to Tuscaloosa like a college student. Right, right. and so I came home. My mother passed the day before my birthday of my so- of my junior year. Mm-hmm. So I came home because, you know, parents give you stuff for your birthday, right? Like, they give you money. I'm coming home to get stuff, not knowing that she was going to pass the next day. I could have easily stayed home. But I was trying to get back to school for right. a party. And so um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a harsh reality, but a reality nonetheless that, that I can use to teach young people about not taking any day for granted, not assuming that tomorrow is promised. That's probably what advice I would have given to myself. I would give to my younger self. That's awesome. Um, you know, we can, I, praise God, I still have my parents. Um, and there's no comparison, but I miss my grandparents like that. Like my grandparents passed away, well, my grandmother's passed away during a period of time where I was partying and you know what I'm saying? And, right. and I, and so that's a great lesson that I need to start imparting on my children, yeah. you know, like, Hey, you know, you don't know 
when they're leaving and you don't even know when I'm leaving. So yeah. it can it can come off as grim and gore. Right. Because as a child, you don't really fully appreciate time. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. don't appreciate experiences in that time. Mm-hmm. And so I have to remind them of that because I didn't appreciate it, but that's my reality. Yeah. Um, my father, my mother, my sophomore year, my father, two years later. Yeah. So, um, but you're right. Like we do have to use sometimes those grim and gore experiences that are reality to help shape what could potentially happen. Not that you wanted to, yeah. but it is a reality. And so we live different. We plan different. We try to seize the moment. There are certain things that I don't do. You know, we try not to, go to bed upset or mm-hmm. let time linger where we're not communicating. This is, you know, my whole family, wife right. and kids, because my reality has shaped that tomorrow is not promised, especially between parent child. Gotcha. Hey, this is Dr. Cree. I am a board certified family medicine physician, and I'm the owner of Brownstone Healthcare, where our mission is to take care of the everyday person who's overwhelmed and overworked and looking to live a healthy, happy, and whole life. We have a direct primary care service where you can pay $70 a month to have all access to meet your physician, have discounted labs, and imaging if needed. So you'd pay the $70 a month no matter if you're insured, underinsured, or have no insurance at all. Call us at 205-202-5650 or go ahead on the roll today at www.brownstonehealthcare.com. What's your favorite charity right now? So it's uh, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society because my mother died of leukemia. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know much about it. I didn't know I didn't know much about it before she had it. Didn't know much about it after she passed from it. Uh, because, again, I was young and, and really understanding what it was didn't didn't click. Mm-hmm. But as I got older and started seeing how many lives were affected by it and I could make the connection that my mother passed from it, I started investing in it. So that's what I typically will donate to. That's beautiful, man. Well, last um, see, the past two seasons, we'd say, you know, whoever – uh, if, if you don't answer one of these questions, you have to make a donation. Okay. <laughs> you know, but uh, we know that you give and we know that you're going to answer these questions. <laughs> uh, yes, Especially sir. the first one, Alabama State or Alabama A&M. So I will probably say, <laughs> I will probably say Alabama State. Really? Yes. I, I don't know why I thought you had. Some type no, of so yeah, so there was so I have a connection with I have a connection with both. Okay, um, the connection that I have with Alabama A and M is actually transferring. Okay, all right, so he's in the portal. Okay, so my link to A and M right now is a little bit more subdued, but okay. my, my link to Alabama State got a good friend who's on the board of trustees. Okay, we've been friends for a long time, so I'm a, my, it's going to tip to Alabama State now since my since my my fun family yeah. relationship is transferred. Okay. All right. You were, you were guessing right. Yeah. See, see, I, so people don't know, like, we do have a connection where you know for real what's up with my family and my life. <laughs> For real. That's my, that's my guy. Um, of course, Alabama or Auburn. Oh, man. Come roll on. Time. All day, every day. The Birmingham Legion or the Stallions? Oh, Stallions, man. I'm Joe Cribs. When, when Joe Cribs was with the Stallions, I love the Stallions. I'm, man, I was so glad they brought the Stallions name back. No brainer, Stallions. Oh, really? Yes, sir. Well, how about this? Birmingham Stallions or Birmingham Americans? 
Stallion. What you know about that? I'm still stallion. <laughs> <laughs> See, you young. I'm showing you, buddy, before, oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. you, before, before the stallions, stallions yeah. was the Americans. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Birmingham Barons or Birmingham Squadron? Huh. Man, that's good. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go squadron. All right, okay. Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Really, really good. I'm gonna go Sloss Furnace. Okay. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? I'm going to say McWayne Science Center. I served on their board, and I think both are icon, cultural icons in the community, but I would say McWayne. All right. Crossplex or Legion Field? Ooh, these are good. <laughs> make us pick one or the other. But I'm going to play the game. I'm going to say Crossplex. Okay, okay. Protect, and, and funny enough, I'm figuring why you're choosing these ones. <laughs> uh, protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Nice. I'm going, ah, that's, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say Protective. Okay. It took vision for Protective Stadium to be where it is. Ah. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Man, <laughs> this is good, brother. Railroad Park. Okay. I say Railroad Park. Regents Park or Rickwood Field? Wow, man. I believe this, man. This, is, <laughs> this game slays. Yeah. Uh, this game slays. I will say Regents. All right. We're going to switch it up a little bit. All right. We're going to keep going. I like, I like this, though. I like this. I like it. We gonna First, I'm going to ask Michael Jackson or Prince. Michael Jackson. Biggie or Tupac? Biggie. Now, not between them, just all together. Who's the GOAT? Of the four of those? Or just, just who, who is the greatest rapper of all time, in your opinion? Man, in my opinion, this is mm. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I think it's Andre 3000. Me too! <laughs> That's my choice, too. I think he's the greatest lyricist yeah, of all time. Yeah, man. Um iPhone or Android? iPhone. My wife's an Android. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. You don't, don't get it? I don't get it. Like she's the only one in the house with one. <laughs> but she loves it. So you listening like, you know, I'm going to tell you, usually it's the camera. You know, uh-huh. women love taking pictures. I follow her on social media. She takes pictures. I'm just saying, uh, maybe. She does take a lot of them. Yeah. Okay. Who is no? What's your favorite season? Winter. Really? Yeah. Winter. I hate being really hot. Uh-huh. I think it's easier to warm up than it is to get cool. Okay. Yeah. I so a lot of people up. will say like, "Well, why don't you like fall or spring?" I like I like it a little bit more cold. I say winter. Cool. Do you cook? Man, I can make a mean reservation. <laughs> you can make a mean um, reservation. I can huh? Make it, brother. I, can, I, t- I take you out. <laughs> now, um, let's close out with this. Okay. Um, I want to do a little bit of government one hundred and one. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, 
there was a time when I would just be so frustrated. Right. You know, people, um, will y'all do something on the interstate lights? That ain't the <laughs> city. You know what I'm saying? Um, but we can either be mad or we can attempt to be a part of educating. Right. Right. And so one of the things that I, I'm trying to get people to understand is the mayor's office. Mm-hmm. Right. And what you do in the mayor's office. So if you don't mind, break your job down. Yeah. Right. Right. And 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 how and especially with a, a sensitivity to, you know, to people who may have issues or whatnot, what comes to you? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, that's so first of all, thank you. It's great because <clears throat> I think people hear titles, people see people in roles but don't really know how those roles connect to them. So I like to think that my job is to make city government fertile ground for the mayor's vision to plan in and then benefit the people, bloom and benefit the people. Mm. So what does that mean? We have 3,700 employees. we got 35 departments and divisions ranging, ranging from police department, fire department, public works, office of the city attorney. We have a mayor staff, an executive leadership team. We have a C-suite with the Chief of Operations, Chief of Staff, Chief Accountability Officer, Senior Advisor, Chief Strategist, and then the Mayor. So how do we make that system work so that the public service that we're supposed to provide is one that people don't have to depend on a person, they can defend, depend on a process? Mm-hmm. So what I've seen over the years in city government is it depends on who you know, who you have access to, to make things work for you. And that's, to me, a flawed system. Right. People should be able to depend on a process. I call here. This moves this. I get this information back. This happens. So with 35 departments and divisions, how do you ensure that that system works for people? So when people hear the chief of staff's role, my job is to guide all of those systems so that they work. If you call 311, how do I ensure that behind the scenes, when you make that call, that the call goes to the right department, the right department dispatches the right staff, the staff handle it, they come back, they close out the report, so now you see that your your government worked for you. If you call 911, how do you make sure that the police comes out, that they have a level of sensitivity around dealing with your issue? Your issue is handled, it's closed out. Like, how does that work for you? Believe it or not, over our city's history, unfortunately, we've not always had a government that is service-minded. So, Mayor Woodfin, when he came in, had three different things that he wanted to drive. One is our theme of putting people first. So people hear that, and that's not just a tagline. It literally is, if you serve in this administration, be mindful of people, whether it's citizens or employees. Like We should treat people where when they come to us, they leave with their dignity. When they interact with us, they leave with their dignity. Second thing is our mission of building community through servant leadership. You've seen it. You've been around for a while. Government has had a kiss the ring mentality, like you need us, we don't need you. So people had to chase government to get things done. Well, the mayor's heart doesn't even operate like that. He has a servant's heart. But you got to also make sure that that trickles down to the 3,700 people who serve in city government, that they have a servant's heart. So we lead with servant leadership. People shouldn't have to seek us out. We should actively seek them out. Then our core values, we commonly refer to them as CETA. People have heard the mayor say it all the time, but how do you make it work? So the mayor leads with customer service. I've said since we've been there, 
to me, I want people to see Birmingham City government like they see Chick-fil-A in Publix. When you walk into those places, you know what you're going to get mm. with regards to customer service, regardless of where you go in the country. People don't necessarily think that about Birmingham City government. Like, depending on what service they're asking for or who they meet, they don't get a Chick-fil-A or Publix feel. But we're going to get there, like, and we're not going to stop until we get there. The rest of the core values are being efficient, effective, transparent, and accountable. So we take those three things, our mission, theme, core values. We infuse the mayor's vision into our 35 departments and divisions, 3,700 city employees, and we make sure we plant that in how we move so that when you interact with Birmingham city government, whomever is listening, that it meets them where they are and at their point of need. So I do that every single day. We build a system that works. Now, what grade would you give yourself on day one? Then what grade would you give yourself on today? I would probably, for both, give myself a C. Hmm. Because I think, so oftentimes, and I'll equate it to this. People now, let me, say, hold on. I got I got to interrupt you yeah, right there. Yeah, go ahead. Let me show y'all how his brain works, right? <laughs> He would have given this first C because that is what his fair mind would get looks at. He said C the second time because he's right raised the bar for himself. Yeah. Yeah, literally. <laughs> you know what that's, I'm saying? That, I know how I That's know. exactly right. Because yeah, look, yeah. when we got there to me. I think a part of the getting there is not knowing what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So we have to uncover so much. Well, that, that doesn't change the fact that the citizens still have a need. So mm-hmm. you got to build a system. The mayor always refers to it as building a plane while flying it. So you go through your freshman year, your sophomore year, your junior year, your senior year. And now we're in our second term. Well, the standard has raised. Like people have a fair expectation of y'all have been there. Mm-hmm. How does this service meet my need? So the reason I say C is because I look at outcomes. I look at where our citizens feel that their city government is working for them. And I can recognize, and I'm going to always be honest and transparent with how we move and where that point of need is. So I say for me, until I have our system that works where people don't have to, they don't have to reach out to Mm -hmm. you or the mayor or anybody else for a service. The system because works. Because the system is searching out. The system handles it. Like, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to send me an email or call. You don't have to text the mayor saying they missed my trash. You don't have to call and say, I waited this long for someone to come out uh, after I call 911. That, to me, is a gap in the system. And that's what we work on every single day. And hopefully, a part of what we do while we're there, brother, is literally give people confidence that even if it's not happening, that it's going to happen. Like, I don't ever want people to think it's just not going to ever get better because it will. Like, it, it, I think it is, but the outcomes to me are what matter, and you're absolutely right. My standard for, for the expectation, and this is what we share with the staff, that expectation has raised another level mm-hmm. because I think – Every neighborhood should be choice neighborhoods. I think every neighborhood should have the same level of expectation with regards to the quality of life and the service we provide. And the mayor has set the vision, and he's empowered us to be able to walk it out. So now it's time to make sure that mission theme and core values are walked out so people see it every day. What is on the horizon that you can tell us about? Ooh, so 
you know, 2023 is going to be a banner year. And I think people have seen by now that Randall Woodfin is, he's a tremendous visionary and Absolutely. he's willing to, he's willing to lay it all on the line, even if it's not something that right now he will get the credit for. But he will put the things in place that somebody else may get the credit for. That's why I tell people all the time it's so easy to serve under him because he's just a good person. Mm -hmm. So neighborhood revitalization, that's always been his top priority. And the mayor wants to make sure that there are – that there is housing available for all, fair housing available for all. Um, And so he's really – he's. He's put put his money where his mouth is, but he also wants to make sure that it's a city we we can live, work, and play. So, some of it he's revealed, some of the things on the west side, some of his mm-hmm. plans. But I think people will be very pleased that he is absolutely adamant about making sure that we clean our city up. So he has some creative ideas on new things that we'll do, but that it's a place that people can say, you know what. I can come to Birmingham and have a good time. I can work in Birmingham. I can live in Birmingham. So 2023 is going to be a, 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 a what he, I, I won't use his, he can be, he can, be, he, can he said we're going to get stuff done. Yeah, How about that? Yeah, in 2023. Yeah, yeah. And that's the PG version. Yeah. So we are going to get it done. And in all of those regards, people can think live, work, play. In all of those areas, um, that's what's on the horizon in 2023. And so, I'm excited to be able to drive our train as his chief of staff to ensure our system works. Sorry about that. Last thing. If you weren't doing what you do now, what's the path on travel? What would you have been an actor or <laughs> a, a computer engineer or what what's what do you, what would you envision yourself as the path on travel? Man, that's a man, that is a that's a fantastic question. <laughs> I would have thought I would have been a lawyer. Okay. Because I went I to law see school. That. Yeah. I, but you know what I would honestly love to do? Coach. Absolutely. I, would coach. I think I could be high school. I think I could do something on the college level. Like I love coaching. I love taking people from one level to the next. Um, I think if I would have put my energy into coaching, because of the way my heart is for, especially coaching young people, where my heart is for their development, for people's development, I think that's what I would be doing. When you got out of the truck and were walking across the street, what did I call you? Coach. You sure did. <laughs> you sure did. That's right. You said coach. I just... <laughs> you sure did. I want to thank my brother, my friend, my leader, Cedric Sparks Sr. for joining us. I want to thank you all for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63, I360 News, and UrbanHam.com. God bless. Hello, I am Dr. Brandy Bowling, your triple board certified pediatrician, adult psychiatrist, and child and adolescent psychiatrist. I am also an ADHD expert, a mommy friend, a school liaison, author of the best-selling book, Shine, Understanding ADHD So Your Child Can Be a Star, and host of the Facebook live stream, Focus On It Friday. 
You can find me at Dr. Brandy B, that's D-R-B-R-A-N-D-I-B, on all social media platforms. Or you can call my office, which is 205-948-7129. It is my goal that all children and adults will be successful and that they will shine in the classroom and in life.